What's up, fam? Welcome back to That's the Angle. In this episode, I'm sitting down with Mad Girl, aka Sabrina. Uh, Sabrina is a DJ producer out in LA, but she is also a really old friend of mine. So it is really cool to kind of have seen her when she was younger, when she was a promoter at, at other EDM shows, like small EDM shows when we all lived in Virginia Beach around each other. And now she's in LA kicking ass and making music and just really doing big things in the scene and repping for female DJs and producers out there. It's really cool, I love to see it. And I think you guys are really going to enjoy this and see what goes into it and uh, how someone climbs up in LA. Because I think like most of us, we've seen people go out there and fail and come back home. So really fun conversation. I think you're gonna enjoy it. But also please show us some love, subscribe on YouTube or leave a rating and review on the podcast if you're on iTunes or Spotify or anything like that. That would mean so much to me. All right, let's get into it. Enjoy. That's the angle. That's the podcast. All right. Make sure I like. What's up, guys? Welcome back. That's the angle. I am joined here with a longtime friend that I've been dying to catch up with, Sabrina, aka Mad Girl, if you know her, and the music industry, EDM scene, all of that awesome stuff. How are you doing? I am hanging in there as much as you know you can with everything going on. Uh, right before we started recording, you were saying that EDC tried interviewing you right before you went on stage. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That, they did. Well, they did. They like, they, they didn't try. They did. Well, they like told me they're like, they gave me time slots before, obviously before um, the festival. Like, hey, we have, we'd love to interview you. We have these times available. Which one works best for you? And I was like, I think I picked a later time. I was like, oh, yeah, after my set, obviously. Because mm-hmm. like my first EDC that I was playing, I played festivals before that, like bigger festivals, but that's like, the biggest festival that i mean edc is the pinnacle of festivals to play yeah especially in dance music so i was like oh yeah let me do it after my set when i'm not all fucking freaking out and nervous before so i'm pretty sure i picked a a later time and then like last minute they're like oh my god we're so sorry we have to switch it to this time and i was like okay so it was literally like it was so fucked because like the shuttle from the hotel to EDC, it takes like fucking like two hours. And it's not even that far, it's just traffic and like just the logistics getting in, it, it takes a long time. So right when I got to EDC, before my set, it was like, I got there, got to my trailer, dropped off my shit, um, went with my tour manager to the stage to like talk to the sound guy and like talk to the um, visuals guy, et cetera. Go, what, like got a golf cart back to my trailer because it's not just like right next door it's like so you don't walk from the trailer to the stage you it's you have to no, like a- it's so fucking far like it's so it's so huge so i had to go back to my trailer as soon as i got back i like hopped off the golf cart and got on the interview golf cart literally took off did their interview came they they dropped me back off at my trailer went into my trailer took a couple shots with my friends and then there was like a knock on my door like okay we're ready like let's go like we're ready to go on stage and i was like fuck like oh my god it was just like the craziest just just like no time to sort of take shit in into like okay we got it seems like it was just so rushed like literally no time it was so insane like it was just like the timing just everything was like bam 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 and then all of a sudden the next thing i know i'm like walking up 
like the stairs to get on stage and i was Dude, just like that feel that feeling right there wait real quick before you talk about that feeling do you have like a fan on in the background or something a fan yeah i think it's my computer oh oh i can hear like the the fan of your actual computer it's okay don't worry about it don't worry about it. I, I can edit that out anyways so um dude you walked on one of the biggest stages in dance music like that feeling is so insane like literally yeah. i've That's raved crazy. with you and and party with you at at concerts and <laughs> like and just just to hear that you moved to la and that you ha like you became the dj like that is so insane to me that is so insane to me i know i when i tell when i talk to people about like my journey um i was like i'm really just a raver like i literally like was a raver for years like going to events and then i started throwing events and and that's how i really got my like you know hands in the industry um but i was like always been like just a straight raver I'm so, like when when I saw that on your Instagram, I was so happy for you because I've been following you for, I mean, just so, so people can have context and plus like me and you, we've been friends since like 2012, 2011. I mean, even we go no, back. No, like, we were friends before that. Oh, we knew like in hometowns. Like, yeah, well, it wasn't my hometown, but we knew each other when we were in high school through the internet. You're right. You're right. On, on the emo MySpace days. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's you don't look much. You don't look much different. <laughs> I know. Everyone tells me that, like, oh wow, you haven't changed. <laughs> Keeping it cons consistent, hey. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, we knew each other back in in high school. That's cr yeah. I didn't think about. That. I was thinking just like the Norfolk times when when you were literally like the first person to bring me out to shows and to raves and to, and to you know just. That's because I knew you from from Woodbridge. Mm -hmm. I knew you from Northern Virginia. That's how I think that's how we connected. We didn't know each other that well. We just I think we hung out like maybe a couple of times, maybe with like a group of friends. Who were you it, friends with? It was it was like, just like friends or friends because it was like different high schools. But we knew of each other because we were both like cool yeah. on the internet and kind of in like the scene crew, like going to Warp Tour and like going to shows. But even back then, you were going to so many shows. I know, dude. I was going to so many shows, like so many like emo shows like i don't even know I, that wasn't my money that was my parents money too like they like funded like, can i have some money to go to this show like so many shows i don't even know how much money they like gave me to like just go to these concerts but it was like really eye-opening back then though because that's like my love for live music came like in my teenage years i've always been like around music my dad's a DJ as well, oh, so no way. Um, I've always been around dance music and like the DJ culture, mm -hmm. like my entire life. Um, and growing up, like I was, I played violin, I played guitar, like for like ten years, and then from there, when I became like older teens, I started going to show to shows, and like that's where I like fell in love with like live music and like mm -hmm. seeing it live and going to shows and stuff. But yeah, as you're saying, like. I, I had no idea that you grew up with a musical dad and then playing instruments. I, I'm not gonna lie, I always assumed, as far as I knew you, that you were just like really passionate about music, like as a promoter, as a fan, as a friend of the artist. I never knew it was actually kind of like in your DNA growing up. That's really cool. Yeah. Uh, my dad, so my dad, he's been a DC. He grew up in Brooklyn, New York, and, like, started spinning vinyl 
like back then and would spin at like little clubs and little like bars in in Brooklyn and New York and like started doing that and like never stopped. So that's where I really got my musical like inspiration from was my dad. Oh shit, what? That's so, I had you pinned as someone who just was like figured it out, but it's like, it's so different when music comes from a younger age than as to try yeah. and figure it out when you're older and you're just like, what, what, what's theory? What's this? Like what's spinning? What's- yeah. Your brain is when you're young. Your brain absorbs music way, way faster and easier. Back then, like little clubs and little like, so that's where I really got my Yeah. Rather than when you're, I don't know why it just does. Cause it's like a suck, like your brain when you're young, when your music just like absorbs to it super fast mm-hmm. and it kind of just stays with you. Yeah, it's definitely like a sponge back then. Um, it's like thinking about it, I know you, like when I think of you, I don't think of you from high school days. I think of you from our time in Norfolk together. And I think of you as like a part of the dance scene there and being a promoter and like knowing literally every freaking DJ that came to town. Like you were always really good at knowing them. And I would never have imagined that you would have been playing EDC eight years later. <laughs> Yeah, I don't even know how I knew. I, I guess I just knew the DJs through when I started working in the scene. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't know them before. Like, I was a raver. And then I started working in, like, promoting shows and throwing shows. And that's how I just, like, really became friends with the DJs. Um, especially with, like, I was a girl in the music industry. And, like, being a promoter that's a girl is, like, not very common. In general, in EDM, like, being a girl is not very common. Like in any like position so I was the girl I was like really nice and I wasn't a dick like a lot of promoters are um but um I think like I just kind of I kind of like knew I really wanted to do dance music for like a long time so in the beginning I like made sure to like really take care of the artists like get as much information from them as far as just like knowledge of like the scene and just like have like real conversations with with the artists and like kind of connect with them because I really wanted to like learn and like be good at what I did so um, you knew you knew back then like going to Peabody's and all those places like you kind of knew back then that or what was that venue on in Virginia Beach was it was a Peabody's that went that wasn't Peabody's mm-hmm. it went, yeah 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 go you knew then that you kind of wanted to try DJing well how I actually got into DJing was um so I was obviously throwing the events and there was just like a really small pool of local DJs that I could choose from for the gigs. Cause the openers are all locals mm-hmm. and you know, in, in Virginia, it's not like EDM back then, which just starting to pop off. So like there wasn't that many electronic dance music DJs that knew a knew how to open a night for a big headliner and B were just EDM DJs in general. Um, yeah, that's a big thing. People get up there and start playing some hardwell tracks and thinking they're going to open like that. <laughs> no, seriously. <laughs> or like they would play the headliner's tracks. Yeah, like playing some bangers and no warm up, no like low tempo stuff. Um, it was just straight like, oh, I'm an EDM DJ. Exactly. Exactly. And I mean, to be fair, like, so, like the opening DJ's uh, slot, like is the hardest. 
in my opinion. Because, like, the headliner, like, whatever, you could fucking play bangers. Wait, am I allowed to curse? Yeah, we can see whatever we want. No big deal. Okay, I wasn't <laughs> sure. Uh, so the headliner, like, can play whatever they want. Like, everyone's going to go crazy for the headliner. It doesn't matter what you play. As long as you play, you know, bangers, whatever. Like, yeah, theoretically. Yeah, theoretically. Yeah. Generally um, Yeah. But, like, the opener, like, you have to, like, know your craft. You have to, like, like gauge the room you have to like know what tracks are like uh good for an opening set. like so your knowledge in music and, and dance music has to be like super like you know decent and you really have to know what you're doing so props to djs who can open correctly and successfully and you know open up the night to set the mood so but anyway so it was um it was just, you know, we just had a small pool of DJs and it was just like the same DJs like every time. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to start DJing because A, a lot of these DJs don't know how to open. I was getting in trouble with the tour managers and managers of the headliners because my openers were not, you know, were playing hardwell at oh. nine o'clock. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I was just like, yeah, you know, I'm just going to. I'll start opening like a few of these shows. So I started opening um, and I was like, wow, I really like this. And then I started doing it more. And then it was like, oh, I'm really good at this. And then I started practicing at home and like going to like having parties with friends. I would like DJ like at the houses and stuff. And it was like, oh, this is, like, really fun. And then everyone was like, wow, you're, like, really good. How long have you been DJing? And I was like, oh, like, a couple weeks. And they're like, oh, wow, you're really fucking good. So then I was like, oh, okay. So then it kind of just, like, snowballed and turned into, like, me actually being a DJ and, like, playing, like, supporting slots that, you know, on for uh, for tours and stuff. And Yeah. I feel yeah. like that's so different. Like, I feel like it's so different to – Back then, you could just be a DJ, but then slowly from like 2012 going forward, it was like you had to produce and kind of have like your own brain and going everything like that. At yeah. what point? At what point did you decide to produce? Because from my perspective, I only saw that when you moved to LA, and I'm curious, like, what made you go from Norfolk to LA? Because I remember it was just like a random year. I don't even know if I had moved to Richmond at that point, but you just left. You just went to LA. <laughs> You were just like, peace out. I'm going to follow some dreams. And then literally, I remember like being at a bar with our mutual friend Amber or someone like that and just talking about how Sabrina left to LA to become a DJ. And and I was skeptical. I'm not going to lie. I was skeptical. I was like, what? You're like, oh, wow. Yeah. Good because, luck with that. Yeah. In my mind, I was like, oh, she's going to. But at the same time, you know, in hindsight, you had all the pieces there. Like, you're really good at networking. Like, you know how the scene works. You had opening. So, like, what was the impetus to going to L.A.? Was it to pursue DJ producing or just DJing? Or what was that? Yeah. So, I didn't really – I started producing. So, I actually, like, the year before, like, leading up to me moving to L.A., I was like, okay, I know how to DJ really good if I really want to do this, I need to learn how to produce. Um, and so I enrolled in a music college um, that was available online as well as they had campus in Florida. Um, and I started doing that for like a year and it was just like too fucking slow for me. Mm -hmm. And like, it was just like, yes. 
I mean, great school, but like, it was just like, for me, it was mm-hmm. too slow. And I was just like, this isn't for me. Like, I want to go like at my own pace. Um, so I did that for like, I did that for a couple of semesters and then I stopped. And then when I stopped, I was like, okay, well, I want to like pursue this further, but I'm not really happy here. Like with, as far as like in Virginia, I was like, I'm not really happy in Virginia as far as like being able to like network further than what the, you know, small spurts of, um, shows I would have. And like, and that's you know, so those, true. yeah, there was no opportunity really to go up in the DJ producer game there. What you're going to yeah. headline Peabody's and like, that's it or not yeah. even, you would never because it, the bit that the acts coming through gets that position. So yeah. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I need to make a decision because I need to be around um, other creatives. I need to be where the agents are. I need to be where the managers are. I need to be where the promote, like the promoters of the scene are. Um, and so I was like, fuck it. I'm going to move to LA. So I've always wanted to live here and I've always like visited friends and like would come to shows and stuff. And like literally every night there's, a, well, before COVID, every night there's a, a dance show. Every mm-hmm. night there's an EDM show. It's like the mecca of EDM. I mean, in, in hindsight, yeah. looking at the time of that move, you moved at the sweet spot of of EDM, the rise of dance music, and and just the overall scene in LA. Like that was yeah. perfect timing. Yeah, the scene in LA when I moved was like fucking popping. <sighs> so now so it's cool. like now it's like it's like well pre COVID it's it's good, but it's not the same how it was like back then. Um, Anyway, so, um, yeah, so I moved to LA, literally sold all of my shit, packed up all, like, my belongings that I wanted to take in three suitcases, and that's it. Wow. And then... Were you nervous? Then, like, what did you, what were you thinking you were going to do when you moved to LA to make money? Like, what was your thoughts? Like, what, what was going... I didn't fucking know, dude. I, how was I? I think I was, like, 20, how old was I? 21, 22. I think you were I, pretty young back then. No, I was older than that. I was, um, I just turned 24. Ah, okay. I mean, it's still fucking young. I'm, I'm turning 30 in a few weeks, so. Yeah, me too later um, this year. Me too, don't worry. Oh yeah, we're the same age. Yeah. Uh, I'm not worrying. I'm a little worried. I don't want to turn I look 30. Fucking, I look fucking great for 30. You do look great. I mean, look, I think I look great too. You do too. You do too, but I'm just saying. I'm not, you're it's worried. It's a dirty 30. Yeah, it's a dirty 30. It's like, it's like. When you when I was sixteen, stone playing video games in my mom's basement, I, I remember thinking like, "Oh, when I'm thirty, I'm gonna have all my shit together. I'm gonna have a family. <laughs> I'm gonna have a family. I'm gonna be a full grown man." And now I'm about to turn thirty. Like, I, I think I figured it out, but I'm on the way. You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, when like back then, I feel like to like people getting married young and like having all that young was like more popular and like people did that back then but like 2020 fast forward 2020 that's not the case especially when you live in bigger cities like people are getting married and suddenly down at like 40 45 you know what i mean i can't believe things have changed that fast since that time it's like the age of expected having your shit together family has changed since then 
Well, it's not only that, it's the cost of living as well. It's like back then it was a lot easier to have a family and settle down and like get your shit together. Now the cost of living is so much more expensive. Jobs are more competitive. Like it's way different as far as, you know, the economy. Um, Anyways, so what was I saying? Uh, I forgot. About being nervous about what you were going to do in LA to get by and make a living. Oh yeah. So I, I, don't think I really was that nervous to be honest like I was just like fuck it I'll figure it out like it's like I always figure it out so um at that point in in um Virginia I had been living on my own like since I was like 17 18 so I'd been living on my own for for a minute um but yeah so I just moved here and I didn't even have no that's a lie I had a place set up in Hollywood that I stayed at for like a month or something. And then I had to figure out what I was going to do after that. <laughs> so what, what was the first move? Did you go straight to the promoters and be like, I want a job? How did that work? No, <laughs> not how it worked. I need a slot on your fucking lineup immediately. I, I think no. you would have just asked for it to be a promoter instead of going straight for the slot. Uh, yeah, I didn't want to do that route. I didn't oh, wow. want to promote anymore. Yeah, I mean, I loved it. I just, I don't know. Been there, done that. Like, I don't when you, know. When you got there, was it more competitive? Or like, what was it when you got there? Was there a lot of other people pursuing the same thing? I've always been curious because that was a move that I contemplated at one point that I didn't do. So I'm just so curious when you got there, what was it like when you looked at the landscape of DJ producers what, what were you thinking? Like, what would it look like? Yeah. So, I mean, it was, it's very competitive here. There's so many people wanting to be a DJ, but I'm a girl. There's not that, that many girl DJs who are in the scene. So I did have, you know, a little bit, bit of an advantage, you know, but um, yeah, it was, I, how did I even like, I don't even really remember. I just, Oh, actually I do. So, um, I started going to this weekly party called space yacht and I'm, you probably might've heard about it They're They've done like international or not international, um, country, like over the country, like tours, not just in LA, but it's a it, weekly, yeah. it's a weekly party here in LA. And when I first started going to these parties is when, um, a when like a they like first started and b when the scene was like really popping so like it was a really good time um Mm. and it was it started at like a little tiny like bar like literally like very very small but like the people who would go to these parties were like producers like big producers big djs um big managers big uh um, agents like everyone like in the industry that wasn't like a fan like it was like an industry party but like it wasn't like but it wasn't like promoted like that it was just like the new like weekly party in LA that all like the industry people went to and uh-huh. before that so just like a little back history of like LA LA EDM scene before that on Tuesdays there was the Dimac parties so Dimac Tuesdays is what they were called and like that was like Stevie Oki's like thing. Like that's really what put Dimac on the map was, was those Dimac Tuesdays that were going on for years. 
and like DJ AM, like DJed at them, like Bloody Beat Roots, like that whole like blog house era, like all those DJs would like play at Dimac Tuesdays. Um, so it was like Space Yacht was like the new Dimac Tuesdays because it was mm. on Tuesday. Um, and because Dimac Tuesday wasn't, it was, it was already anymore. exploded at that point, like it was past its heyday, the Dimac Tuesday. It wasn't, they were, they stopped doing the Dimac Tuesday. Oh, so when Space Yacht okay. came around, it was like, oh shit, it's like a new Dimac Tuesday. So all of the industry people would, would go. Um, and that's really how I started to like meet people because it was so intimate. Like I was saying, it was like at a small little bar and it was the same people every single Tuesday. So like started to meet the same people and like grow friendships with them. And like, mm-hmm. I met so many of my really close friends like at Space Yacht that I'm still close friends with today. So of course, like it got bigger. So they had to move locations. They moved to another spot that was still small, but a little Mm -hmm. bigger. Um, And it was there for a year or two. And then, you know, it kind of got way bigger. Like now it's way bigger. They move it to like a huge nightclub. um, And it's not, it's not like just, like it's not really industry people anymore. It's just like a lot of people just in that love dance music go. Yeah, so the, the vibe's a lot different. The fans yeah, have the vibe's come and ruined the vibe. Goddamn. No, I'm just kidding. They're, no, important. They're mean, important. They're important. I'm just joking. But. Yeah. But it's not the same. It's, it's not like the intimate, mm-hmm. like, seeing how it was before. But mm-hmm. that's really how I started, like, really networking in the scene here in L.A. Oh, so. yeah. I always thought of you as a good networker. Like you're always a good people person. You always really get like connecting with people. And I guess that comes from the promoting days or what it comes from, but it clearly worked out. Like you're, yeah. you know, it's, it's funny to think like something from Space Yacht and then this, like you, Sabrina, like a mad girl. I almost I feel like I can't even call you Sabrina. I have to call you like mad girl or something. Like, Why? You can call me Sabrina. I know. Is that so funny? <laughs> that's so cool yeah so then what happened like how did how did you get into producing did you just like learn from the people you met at space yacht yeah so i mean i was producing before um but when i moved to la it's like when you're surrounded by people who are also doing the same thing you're doing it's like you meet when you meet up with these people you like take notes from each other you like show each other your music you like it was just like such like a natural like progress um and my first like big it wasn't like big but like my first like major thing I did for a release was um Gasly his team asked me to do a remix for one of his tracks um and we we did that so that was that was awesome that was that was like my first like that was my first track that was like Label? That was like a big. Was that like a, a, like a is that like a label release? Technically, is that what that is that what that's called? It wasn't a label release, but oh, it was okay. just like because I don't think he released on a, a on a label. It was a self release. He did, but he did a remix package for it. Oh, but he still reached out to you. You got that look, like that. Hey, like yeah. And you, yeah. you. I don't think you were going by Mad Girl at that point, were you? I remember you had like no. a different brand or something. Can we, are we no. allowed to talk about that? Are we allowed to talk about that? Yeah. So I was going under the alias Iris before. That's what it was. That's what it was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I was going under that. I only started Mad Girl at the end of 2018. Mm-hmm. That's what? when I started it. Was, what made you shift the brand like 
image with that? Um, what was the thought process there? So let's see. I mean, it was four years like that I was here in LA that that I had, was under that alias, and it was just like I just felt like I needed a change, like where the brand was going, like it wasn't where I wanted to be. Like the project wasn't really picking up. It didn't really have like any substance to it. I feel like mm -hmm. I wasn't, I was kind of lost with the project. I didn't really know the direction I wanted to go with it. And so when I created mad girl, I like knew the vision. I knew the kind of music I wanted to make. I knew like, I just knew what it was. I wanted it to be. So when I, you know, started the project, it was like, I just knew like the plan and mm. the, the brand and just like everything. Like it was just more of like a strategic, just like in my head, like, okay, I have this vision and this is what it's going to be. And I, uh, and yeah. like people reacted to it really well. So. Yeah. When I saw it, I was like, fuck yes, this is genius. I thought it was so good personally because Iris, when you, when I look at the two different like brains and how they're presented, you're, you're still, essentially the same person same music but it with mad girl it became super cohesive like the music yeah. really matches the visual brand identity which is you you're not any different i mean i know like, that's what's cool about it yeah and and it actually has a more like the name has this roots to it that is like yeah. it's cool to say it, it gives you a vibe of the actual music and like you led with this really cool sort of like colorful emo anime space goth girl which i think is super sick I, and i'm probably completely wrong there but that's just who you are but like I, it made a lot of sense like the cohesiveness of of mad girl and just you releasing under that alias i was like oh yeah like this this hits like this makes a lot of sense it, it to me i was like good move sabrina hell yes that was yeah and the project's actually mad girl is actually like it's still like has been developing i mean it's a fairly new project like i said i launched at the end of 2018 we're only in the middle of 2020 like it hasn't been that long um so i, I mean and it has developed since the beginning like in the beginning it was more like angry like angsty like a little bit more punk rock and it still mm -hmm. has that but it's a little bit more cleaner and the aesthetic is a little bit more um like cyberpunk so it's like the same cyberpunk. like I, there we go it's perfect yeah yeah i still have like the like edgy punkiness that I started with the brand, but it's more of just like cyberpunk and like kind of like anime, like just more me. Like I'm just, I feel very comfortable with where the brand is right now. So, mm -hmm. especially when the public receives it really well, mm -hmm. you know, it, it, and it still has that kind of rock feel to it, and that goes along mm -hmm. with like the bass music you make, which is sick as well. But it, it, it like. It made a lot of sense. It's just funny to talk about branding as if it's not you, but like you, you examine a brand like, like, oh, like, like this brand, it's a master plan to trick. But no, it's like, it's not it. It's just funny to talk about branding because as an artist or creative, you have to be smart and do that for yourself the same way I do everything I do under that's the angle, not like Bruce Allen or whatever that is, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, branding is like super important, even though it's kind of like, you know, like, it's kind of whatever, like, a lot of people, like, hate on branding, like, you know, if the music is good, it shouldn't matter, like, well, theoretically, yes, but, like, in today's age, no, like, 
the t- like the fucking attention span of people who are listening to dance music is literally 0.2 seconds like you have to have them like attached and drawn to your yeah, they're, they're literally fast forwarding to the drop half the time i feel like but you know you want to talk about brands the easiest one is, is marshmallow it's one of the craziest yeah. most preposterous brands that anyone can make fun of but the music's good yeah. and it worked like from a general perspective it is successful and now no one laughs at it anymore yeah i don't think anyone cares everyone's like oh well yep he makes a lot of money but it, it <laughs> seems like such like an la thing to do is to have this sort of oh like over the top i guess uh brand image like this really crazy sort of superhero like brand image like every dj producer has to have this really kind of cool image almost i wouldn't say it's like trying to level up each other but like you see more people with masks you see more like e-boys you see more like goth punk rock slash new age emo kids it's just interesting to look at that because i is that normal in LA? Just everyone just kind of goes by these MySpace names? Like, dude, people, do you walk around and people are like, hey, Mad Girl, hey, Gasly, hey, Shlomo, hey, Kazo, hey, uh, uh, like all that stuff. Like, is that what people I mean, do? Yeah. I mean, when, when we see each other at parties, I mean, if you know the art, like it's, I mean, for me, it's like, I'm not going to call Gasly Gasly. Yeah. Because I know his name. Or like I'm not gonna call Kazo Kazo. I'm gonna call him Hayden because I know him and I know his name. Like you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's not like that, but like I don't know. I mean, everyone in LA is very like fashionable and like everyone's everyone here is a creative. That's mm-hmm. the thing. It's not like back home Virginia where you know normal. Not saying that normal is bad, but just like just you know normal office person just working nine to five. Like basic ass people. Being basic is fine There's if that's wrong. what you like. Yeah. Happy and basic, power to you. Yeah, being basic is fine. If you're a Karen, I guess that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> if you're a Karen or a Kevin, hey, do you. <laughs> do you. But like like I was saying, everyone here in LA is a creative, so it's just normal over but, here. And, that, and that's what's beautiful about moving to a place in LA because it's, while it's competitive, it levels you up. You're now part of this creative ecosystem where you're everyone's pushing each other to be better and you grow faster and i'm sure you start to produce at a lot faster rate you start to learn faster like i'm sure that had a lot of effect on you just learning these techniques from other people yeah so that's really how i mean and then i got um introduced to the disciple crew became really really good friends with them like they're like we're like family um, so, I mean, they showed me a lot, um, and just, like, being around really talented artists that, like, I could never even, like, like, they're, like, here, and I'm, like, eh. Like, being but, like, in the just, studio with them, watching them produce? Just, like, well, not, I wouldn't, like, go in the studio and collab with them, but, like, go and, like, watch, like, open, they'd open up the project files, like, and most of these producers are just making shit out of the room. They're not going to fucking studios. They're just making shit out of their, their room that they pay, $2,000 for their shitty studio in LA, you know? And but. that that's why dance music is so crazy. Same, I guess you see the same with rap music, but dance music specifically, it's like there's some kid behind his keyboard with Ableton, and the next thing you know, he's playing EDC next year. No, seriously. 
Seriously. <laughs> that, that contrast is so insane, but people don't realize that's really what's going on. He's not in the studio, like, cooking up with the top engineers. It's literally him and a keyboard and some headphones, probably, just because he can't yeah. have a speaker so, to annoy his neighbors. He's literally exactly. sitting there, like, it, it's <laughs> you know, he's going in front of thousands of people. Yeah. No, for real. That's how it is. That's funny. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's pretty much how it is. Um, and I think I actually, I was having this conversation with someone the other day. I can't remember who, but it's just so crazy because a lot of like kids who are um, in dance music and, you know, work in the industry, whether you're a DJ or mostly DJs, but DJs specifically producers and DJs specifically that are really young are just super like, when it comes to like the business side and like responsibility side, like they don't have any like real world experience with like being responsible in a job because they were a fucking bedroom producer. So like when it comes to like the business side of like dealing with like a lot of these artists, it's kind of a nightmare sometimes because like they don't have real world work experience. So it's like, oh, you're literally, so taking, true. yeah, you're taking these kids who like, made a fucking banger in their bedroom and like like you said the next year they're playing fucking edc and like they're like 18 years old yeah Shit that's like so that. true the entry the gateway for entry is just are you good it's it's not 18 with work experience it's just does your shit slap on the internet? It does? Oh, okay. Like, <laughs> here, come come play in front of hundreds of thousands of people. And, and now you got to figure out how to, like, ma- carry and manage yourself business-wise. Yeah, that's that's really interesting because th- their first job wasn't Polo Ralph Lauren where they had to greet people all day where they learned, like, oh, man, I really appreciate what I'm doing now. Like, their first job is literally, hey, you're famous. Yeah, exactly. Oh, it's got to be it's so a- annoying to work with them. Yeah. I mean, I've done like a couple of like label, like I've done like label work over here with the disciple guys and stuff like that. And, and like, just like, sometimes it's just like those artists are just like, they have no idea. So. What do you mean? Like, what do they do? Just like, just like no idea of like, I mean, I don't want to like call, I don't want to. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But like, they just, yeah, they just have no concept of like, how things work how you should act you know Mm. just responsibility like just like taxes like oh wait i think we lost you there for a second like stuff like that when it comes to like business side of like it's kind of nightmare but so it's really interesting seeing that Uh uh-oh you're frozen yeah 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 i just lost you for a second i think we're good now okay yeah, this is, this is what happens when you Zoom people on different parts of the world, you know, <laughs> it happens. I think people expect it by this point, you know, what can you do? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, that's really interesting. I don't know, at, at what point did you like start going from, I imagine at some point you started opening, but then you started playing in front of bigger and bigger volumes of people. You said you've played like multiple festivals. At what point was there like that first sort of big festival where you were kind of sitting there like, holy shit, this is working. So the first big, big festival I played was Electric Forest. And this was, this was before I started Mad Girl, but I was already developing the project. Mm -hmm at this time so I actually had music 
for the medical project that I played at Evors when I was under my other alias. I was testing it out. Um, but that that when I played that, I didn't know that Mad Girl was like for sure was gonna like pop, but like I had a feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I played that festival, and I played main stage, I played an early slot, but I was still like, okay, I have this weird feeling that this is gonna work. So then the second festival I played um, was literally I launched Mad Girl in like September October, and I got booked for a festival to play that March and I got a, a, you know, I got my booking, you know, they sent them out early, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got that uh, booking in October, November. Mm-hmm. And I just launched it in September. Like, oh, kind of lost you there a little bit. This East Coast, West Coast Wi-Fi be playing us. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Where's that? Why? Where are you Launched at? in September. Like, okay. I just launched the project in September. Wait, is it person? Yeah, I, I, just, I just lost you. It, it went on a gap. Hold up. Hold up. I'm going to wait until I uh, can see you normally again. Because <laughs> uh, right now you're, you're, frozen like a, you're frozen with like a thumbs up. <laughs> Great. Well, I mean, you're not frozen to me. Okay. Yeah, that's that's fine. I mean, yeah, as long as I can hear you, like your your fluid, of, your train of thought is fine. It's just a matter of um, uh, like hearing you at all. Okay. So, well, am I still frozen? Yeah, your video is frozen, but I can hear you. Okay. That's really weird because you're not frozen to me, and I'm not frozen to me either. What? That's so weird. Yeah. Um. So. Anyways, so what what is the last thing you heard? So so you were you were talking about how you got booked in March and then you you rolled out Mad Girl in October. So I'm guessing you used the Mad Girl brand uh, for the show in March. Yeah. So it was just like a really fast like the project just got really like like a lot of attention really fast because it was different um, and what I was doing was was not, a lot of other producers in the scene were not doing what I was doing as far as pushing genres in that specific um, genre of, of dance music. And it's kind of controversial because um, if you listen to my, my music, it's a lot of hard dance with um, bass music, so a lot of dubstep. Mm-hmm. Um, and the hard dance scene is, like, super, 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 like, elitist like hot it has to be hard style or nothing hard dance meaning it's at doof, 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 like 140 bpm 150 like that that fast hard style it's like 150 mm-hmm. like four on the floor but with highly like, those hard style kicks like that european like hard yeah. style yeah um with like the really like screechy sense and stuff um yeah. so it's what i was doing was a mix which is like I mean, a lot of my inspiration came from Keizo, mm-hmm. which he also does the same thing. Um, and it's a lot of hard dance with um, dubstep. So it's already like a controversial like project. Like the hard style kids, I got so much hate. 
when I first started. So what, much hate. What exactly were you doing? Was it like going from a dubstep drop to going into a hard dance drop? It was, was that- like going from a hard dance drop going into a dubstep drop. Like oh. the A section would be hard style. The B section would be dubstep. Ah, uh, yeah. Because I mean, it, but that seems so common now. But back then you were saying like it, it wasn't. It's not that it wasn't common. It was, well, I mean, it was very popular. I mean, it's still mm-hmm. popular now, but like it was like kicking off back then. Um, but the hard style kids just don't like it. They, It's like hard style or nothing. That's so, so crazy. That's, yeah, that's dude. So elitist. That's so annoying. Like, like how dare you take our music, our genre, which is in the same BPM and combine them. <laughs> the same like used in the same like made in the same program like Like, no but i mean you know i've gotten used to it like that's just how they are the hard style kids they just don't like anything else other than hard style that's so to the fire i was like all right well if y'all are me dicks i'm playing what i want at the hard style stage at edc Ooh, um, ooh. <laughs> so like it was it was fun it was it was kind of you know it was fun like i was like like the more they talked about me on the internet like you're just giving me more exposure like please exactly. start a huge thread about me on twitter like please um so yeah it was a little controversial i think people are now like i'm like trying to i think right now I've, i th- from my previous releases, people know, like, I'm, like, not trying to stay in the hard dance scene. Like, a lot of my past releases for the past six months have been, like, more bass music catered instead of hard style. I, of course, still have hard style elements, like, I'll have some hard style kicks mm-hmm. in there. Um, so people are like, oh, yeah, there's Mad Girl. Yeah, you know, to have that signature sound still there, but, like... For the most part, I'm trying to pivot to mainly do dubstep, but still have like the hard style little flair in there. Yeah. So instead of like hard style with dubstep flair, it's dubstep with hard style flair. Flair. Ah, and that and that's just like a production. That's not you mixing live on stage. You might just say "fuck it" and tear it up. But I guess I guess I guess production wise, it's like I kind of want to put my songs more in this angle. I I think it's interesting that like dubstep has become kind of one of the lead edm sounds now right like am when, i still frozen by the way no everything's good now everything's good oh, okay <laughs> yeah yeah like it, like it seems like bass music kind of won at least for the time at least for the time being in my perspectives now it's just it kind of seems like hard style and for the floor on like a 140 bpm is really accepted but dubstep is almost like the normal when people think of dance music now like before yeah. when we were hanging out in 2013 Virginia Beach it was all house big room house dubstep was like yeah. eh, like sometimes but you still liked it but for the most part all the big DJs were big room house house all Swedish dudes but then yeah. somewhere along the lines Americans were like nah fam we like dubstep yeah yeah I mean it's just fun and it's like it's kind of like still like punk rock and like aggressive and like angsty and you know you can get really down to it whereas you know house music is like fun but it's not like it doesn't slap 
you it's know, not, like, it's not the American spirit. Like the American spirit is rock and roll in a sense, and it is rap. And dubstep yeah. is is a combination of like the rap tempo with uh like the American like punk rock fuck you, which I think is why it ended up winning, and it's now like the main sound or just heavy yeah. bass music in general. Yeah, it's dope. I love it. Yeah, well, it's so cool because you've just been championing it for so long, and it's like, ha-ha, now it's finally <laughs> caught up to your music taste. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, hopefully, you know, COVID, like, hopefully this, you know, doesn't last. But uh, the word on the street is that shows are not going to be coming back until the end of 2021, beginning of 2022. Wait, wait, the beginning of 2021, the end of... No, the end of 2021, beginning of 2022. Oh my God, that hurts my feelings. <laughs> yeah, so I it's, mean, been, it's been pretty difficult to be fair. Like, I mean... Yeah, what, do you, what are DJs to do now? Because, I mean, I see you guys doing live streams and stuff, but is, is that like providing a living is that still providing an outlet like how is how is that whole thing now like how's adapting to the post-covid life i mean yeah i i actually stopped doing live streams for a little bit because i just i just got a little burnout on them and also the person that i was using equipment for he had to sell cdjs because i don't have cdjs i just have my mini little tiny dinky Pioneer controller. Um, controllers. And, what happened to controllers? <laughs> yeah. I have my dinky Pioneer controller. Um, and uh, he had to sell CDJs because of COVID. Wow. So, wow. Yeah. Like, we really try to raise money on the streams for them, but it, like, wasn't enough. Because, like, <sighs> CDJs are fucking expensive. One CDJ is, like, $2,000, you know? like. Oh, my God. It's not even talking about the mixer. Holy shit. No, the mixer's like a thousand something. Okay, okay. And then, so it's like it's like a five thousand dollars setup. Yeah, I mean it's it's the brain of your operations when you're playing live. I mean that's <laughs> it's everything. Yeah. So, but yeah, so, um, yeah, I was doing that for a minute, but um, I think I'm gonna do another one soon. Um, because I haven't done it in a while. My fans are pretty engaged as well. Um. So I probably owe it to them to do to do no, another one soon. Um, but yeah, I mean, I started selling merch. That did pretty well. I'm probably going to do another drop soon. Nice. Um, and just like little things like that to like make money because like we don't have any gigs. How long can this shit last? How long can you really stop live sports, restaurants, live gigs? Like at some point there has to be a breaking point when it's like, come on, like you're, we're choking people out here. Cause right before all this, I was doing art shows. I started producing art shows for myself and other uh -huh. people and I was really hitting my stride. And now when you say end of 2021, I'm like freaking out because I'm thinking the beginning of 2021 is going to be when no. you get to start head. I'm thinking that's when you're going to be headbanging with your fans again, when I'm going <laughs> to sell an art show tickets like that breaks my heart to hear that. Um, no, nah, man, it's not going to come back for, for a while. And this has come from like agents like that, that I've, that I've talked to about this. So because they're plugged in with who's booking and when they're booking. Yeah. Wow. So do you think a lot of DJs are going to drop off during this point? Like, do you think there's any chance 
you might not be able to sustain yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a high, a huge chance. I mean, the bigger DJs will be fine. They already have their name. They have their money. Like, but all the smaller DJs, like, we don't have that. We don't have the, that money. We don't have that platform. So, like, the fact we need to keep momentum in order for this to, like, in order for our careers to move forward as a DJ and for you to start getting booked more and start, like, going up in the ladder, you need momentum and you do this through releases but also through gigs and through um just networking with like promoters and like agents and etc that's just how it works so when you you gain that momentum it just it comes and it just it will come for you but we don't have any of that anymore yeah we could release music but like who no one's playing it at festivals no one's playing it at all these kids it's not, that's how music gets popular. DJs, you know, they get sent dub plates. They, you know, they set DJs send other DJs music and then they start getting played at festivals and mm, these shows and that's how they get popular. People, fans take videos of them, post them like, and everyone is like, oh yeah, that track. Da, 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 da. Like that's how it really like escalates and that culture is not there anymore. So we can release all the fucking music we want right now, but like who's playing it? No one. Yeah, because at the end of the day, yeah, at the end of the day, it's it's about the live show. Like it's about that live show connection with the fans and with that whole event. It's music, especially EDM, is meant to be played and listened in a public and setting. Like to take that away is taking the Achilles heel off of everyone. It's 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 honestly insane to me. It's nuts. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, we still have online streaming, like the fans can still listen on Spotify, YouTube, whatever, but it's not the same. It's not the same. Well, even the live streams, they're awesome, but it's still not the same because they're like what at home, it's like we are sitting in their computer chair, probably, you know, maybe drinking or smoking or whatever, but it's still not that energy of being next to your homies, you know, It's, Mm -hmm. it's still not that. Nope. I mean, and, you know, as someone who's involved in the art world, the art world has tried to think of ways to survive as well. And they started doing virtual art shows. Oh my God. Those things are pathetic. Uh, It's like, it's like like scrolling on a low resolution Tumblr and then asking someone to buy, to spend $3,000 to buy a piece of artwork based off of like a 16 bit image. It's so sad. You know, like, like I'd say it's worse than, uh, you know, trying to be a DJ and get that live stream connection, but it, it's, they both depend on the in-person visual gathering aspect of it all. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not fun for anyone, but you know, I've been like, it's been really hard for me to like, like do anything music related to be honest. Like, I mean, I've been, I had the mix com- pretty much completed that I need to put out. And I've been saving, I have the mix. I need to put it out oh, for like weeks, Oof. for like weeks. But like, it's like one of those things where it's like, there's just like some EQing stuff that I need to do. And I'm just mm-hmm. like, it's hard for me to do it. Cause I'm just like, not that I'm not motivated. It's just like, it's just hard. Like, I don't know. I can't explain it. It's just like really hard. Like for me right now with everything going on, like, yeah, I mean, I, I'd, I'd be unmotivated as fuck. Like, the fact that you can't make that track and then go play it out 
like usually that's how it works. You make that track, you go play it out, see the response, go home, work on it some more. Like that excitement, I guess, is a little gone right there. So it's kind of like, why work on this new stuff? Yeah. Yeah. It, and it's like, yeah, it's just very like, it's hard. So I need to finish that. And then, um, yeah, I've been like, I picked up a new hobby during quarantine, which is um, riding a motorcycle. No way. You, you, you out and got a motorcycle? Yeah. That's so sick. I got a Vespa during quarantine. Oh, sick. Yeah, I've got a yellow <laughs> how Vespa. Many, how many cc's is it? It's only 50 cc. Oh, okay. Well, sometimes they're like 200 cc. Oh, yeah. Well, I got the 50 cc one because in D.C. it like lets me be under the legal, you know, laws oh, and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah. And plus, I don't ever need to go faster than 35. But yeah. I feel like in L.A., you kind of need a faster whip. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, mine's not that fast. Mine's only 250 cc. That's fast as shit. Look at the helmet back no, there, too. Dang. <laughs> uh, I got a Ninja, a Kawasaki Ninja 250R. Yeah, it's dope. That seems very fitting. Yeah, and it goes with my brand as well. So um, I was like, I'm really excited to like, when I get like LEDs on it and shit, I'm going to do like underglow, do like some shots and do some shoots with it. Um, But but yeah, it's super dope. So that's been taking up a lot of my time because you need to practice. Oh, yeah. I, I know exactly. I mean, look, I'm only going to like 35, but I would still... Now I'm good, but I would still be getting anxiety riding down the road. Like, it, it kind of freaked me out a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I used to have a scooter back in the day, too. Um, when I was dating Spencer, um, he had a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you should get a scooter. And I was like, oh, okay. So then, like, we would ride together. And then one day I crashed. I was like, okay. <laughs> I'm done here. <laughs> uh, but... Yeah, so scooters are fun though. Yeah, have you been going any cool places with like have you have you been going to parks or just taking rides and stuff? Yeah, so like LA is the best place to have a motorcycle. A because the weather is amazing all year round. There's no rain. Mm. It's so nice all year round and the views are just fucking amazing. So like here the best riding is to go through the canyons so we have like the malibu canyons we have like um if you go i forget what i forget what all the canyons are called but there's just canyons everywhere and they're just like really windy roads in the mountains and like it's just a beautiful scenes just like all around you um there's also pacific coast highway which is pch for short where um it, it goes up all of the west coast um and it's like literally on the coast so like to the left of you is the pacific ocean that's all you see and then to the right is like the land so it's like mountains and shit so like going down the pch you're just like like you look to the left and it's just like all ocean it's so sick what color is your your ninja it is green Lime green. Uh, ooh, that, that matches the purple. Okay, I guess it, there's some good color contrasting there, the purple with the green. Yeah, I can't. I, I was like, you should have got a purple one. I was like, that's too much. Like, I can get a purple ninja. Like, that would have been like overkill. That's the classic ninja look right there. Yeah, you know, I can't wait for things to be back in session. I can imagine you pulling up to the gig on your freaking ninja, parking it like out front, just getting out, like just looking yeah. fucking cool and just going rocking yeah. the crowd. That sounds, oh. 
I can't wait to, to ride my motorcycle to an LA gig. Dude, well, okay. actually, no, to be fair, probably sounds- not because I would be drinking. Oh, true, true. Okay, wait, <laughs> there's something I wanted to bring up, which I thought was just put a smile on my face. Okay. You, you did a Cruella remix. Uh-huh. I know how much Cruella meant, means to you. Like, I remember you introduced me to Cruella. I remember the early days of Cruella and like you were one of the biggest fans of them, like the biggest like supporters of them. And I, I, I feel like I always looked at it like you were a girl in the industry and they were some of the first girls in the EDM industry. So for you to get the Cruella remix, for me, it looked like it was like, oh my God, full circle moment. Like, holy shit. Yeah. I, yeah, I it really was a full circle moment. I remember those really? moments being in the car, blasting, like, st- what does it feel alive? Oh, I know. <laughs> the same okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That one. I mean, you, I, you're in the industry now, so I guess talking about the specifics of that band might not be the smartest, but they had so much promise, and then they just sort of collapsed on themselves. Well, I mean, they split up with with Chris, so, I mean, that was like, that was really hard on 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 them and then kind of just i don't think they were able to get really back into like the because they were like killing it like with the festivals and stuff i don't think they were they were really able to get back into it until all that kind of died down because it was just but i think they're like fine now like they're they're not really like playing that many u.s stuff but like they're very popular in the rest of the world like they're very popular in south america like you know, and and those festivals out there are massive. Are there festivals going on in other parts of the world right now, or are they just as locked down? There's not huge festivals like going on, but there's like drive-in festivals going on. Like, there's a festival in Belgium called Rampage that mm-hmm. they just had a drive-in festival. Oh my god, that's so depressing. Yeah, but they probably they have Rampage like a couple times in the year, and it's like one of the world's biggest dubstep and drum drum and bass events festivals ever. And they're having, I they might have one this fall because Europe is like way ahead of America. Yeah, are you kidding me? I'm, there's like some places where there's literally no cases. Yeah, like New Zealand. Yeah, well, New Zealand is having shows. Like this, produ- I saw like two nights ago. Uh, Quicks, I don't know if you're familiar with him. Um, he is from New Zealand, um, and he was posting photos. He was like, "Last night was the best night of my life. I'm so fucking happy and thankful that I'm able to live in a country where we had literally no cases, like, and have been so smart about everything." Because New Zealand is just a tiny little fucking island, you know? They just, like, blocked out everyone. They're like, fuck you guys. They did. <laughs> We're not getting that shit. So y'all came back the fuck up. Um, but he was playing shows. Like, and it was sold the fuck out. Oh, my God. I'm so jealous. Yeah. I, I, I forget what a live show even feels like. Oh, my gosh. I know. Like, it's crazy. People are going to value them so much more. I feel like when it's all said and done, everyone's going to – like the resurgence of everything is going to be insane. Yeah. Like for the people who survived, for the DJs and producers like yourself, who I'm hoping survive the next six months, eight months, whatever it takes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be insane, but you know. Do you think you're going to move out of LA because of all this? Or do you think you're going to try and just stick it through? I'm going to try and stick it through. There's a couple of times where I've been like, I just need to move home. Like I just need to move back. 
Like, oh, wow. But, like, I've worked so hard to get here. I'm like, this is fucked up. I'm not going to let some stupid-ass fucking virus, like, ruin my shit. Like, you know, like, it just sucks. I know. I know exactly what you're talking about. It, w- it would feel so wrong. It would feel, yeah, wrong to just go home and, and, and be back at base camp. But it, I don't think there's any shame for anyone, no matter what creative industry you're in, because this was so out of our control, which is the freaky part. Yeah, I mean, it's not shame. Like, that's one thing that you can, like, think about um, and have a little bit of, like, you know, okay, well, I'm not the only one going through this. Literally, everyone's going through this, and this is out of my control. Yeah. You know, there's a little bit of comfort in that. But it still fucking sucks, you know? <sighs> Dude, it's so nuts. I, yeah, I mean, thinking about the live music genre, that was the craziest part for me. I was, what are people going to do? And now there's, like, a mass exodus of people leaving L.A., mm-hmm. leaving New York. They're all coming to D.C. They're all going to Texas. God. <laughs> You don't want to go to Texas? No. <laughs> Aren't there like mad cases there? No. Well, people are going to Texas because they're like letting people ha- have events. They're letting people ha- go to restaurants and, and go to dinner and, and have comedy shows and stuff like that. It's like why Joe Rogan's moving there. <laughs> I just <laughs> I just took a photo of you and it has a photo. Wait, hold on. Can you see this? Wait, let me save this before I accidentally delete. Oh my god! Oh my god! Ah, <laughs> uh, stop texting. You have a little filter on. Did you put a Kawhi filter on me? <laughs> First of all, why are you on your phone during a podcast interview? Show some respect, to, woman. Show some I respect was, over here. I was trying to sneak a photo of you, but it wasn't working. I was trying to open up my Instagram, but it was, like, not working. I was like, fuck, open. <laughs> okay, that's funny. I had to post that. <laughs> I'm posting that. Okay, What's fine. your Instagram? Uh, it's at Brusant. Don't do this. We're, we're, we're on air. We're recording. Right on your phone. Okay, okay, okay. I'll see. See, guys, it. this is what happens when you record with your friends. They treat you like your friends, not the distinguished podcast host that you are. Podcasts are done technically, you know, uh-huh. like podcasts are done technically through computers. I feel like having a phone is like the same. What, you're supposed to be engaged in conversation. Deep balls, I have. balls deep. <laughs> but you are right. I, I, I do appreciate you doing that because I always forget to do that while I'm talking. That's like a good idea to like. Get yeah, I, I always do that actually. When I'm on like videos with people, I always take photos. So, so who are you looking at now? Like, where, what, like, are there any DJ producers that you're looking at thinking their shit sounds crazy in a good way? Like, oh, when you think about like, like Lil Texas. I, I noticed that you saw him, and I think Lil Texas has one of the craziest sounds right now. No, oh, like, as far as like producing wise? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Sam is fucking great. He is amazing. He's called Sam. Um, we're really good friends. Um, and we kind of, we kind of like came up together in the scene mm-hmm. with Hard Dance. We started the same exact time. and started re- releasing music the same exact time. Because oh, wow. he before was doing, uh, he has had Little Texas for a really long time, that project. Um, but before he was doing Jersey Club, 
for years. I mean, he was going on tour with like Flashdamas and like releasing on Dimmac and like I mean, he's me and him have known each other for a while, um, just through the scene here in LA. But um, he started doing hardcore literally the same time that I I launched Mad Girl. So we were like, you know, that Spider Man meme, like. <laughs> Are they looking at each other? <laughs> yeah, that's how it was for us. And then, uh, so people like saw us as like like artists that were pushing the limits in America for hard dance. People like obviously the hard dance kids loved Little Texas because he was doing hardcore, and they love hardcore. So, hardcore yeah, he's being he's the like, insanely two hundred BPM. <laughs> Sometimes 5,000 BPM. That is insane. I love to show, I love to freak my friends out with this music. Freak your friends out? Yeah, I'm like, hey, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, oh, let's put this song on. Because I, I got some normie ass friends. I'm like, oh, yeah, what do you put on? I'll put on Little Texas. Really? They freak out. They're like, what is this shit? And then they like it. But it's extreme to people that aren't in the scene when they hear hardcore, when they hear like heavy dance it's nuts to them i guess so huh like you yeah. it's just normal it's normal to hear something that's like 190 bpm here like texas yeah, that's true. like 200 but even when i first heard it just randomly on soundcloud i was like what the fuck am i listening to this is yeah. insane like this th- whoever made this is on speed and then i looked at little text and i was like he might be on speed <laughs> you don't have to <laughs> I saw what he looked like, and I'm like, oh. I was like, oh, he's a he's a hardcore deathcore cowboy. (laughs) What? This is the craziest brand I've ever seen in my life. Dude, he is fucking crazy. And then he does like the gayest shit, which I think is hilarious. On top of that, so it's like that cowboy hat with his ass out, and I'm just like, (laughs) this dude is the best. Yeah, he is ridiculous. Oh my god. Did you see that photo he just posted where it's like a backdrop and he's got, he's got the I butt section <laughs> as his face mask and he's doing it in the mirror so you see his ass out, but he's got the face <laughs> I saw that shit. I was like, no, he did it. This dude has the best content. Oh God, he's ridiculous. Uh, he's great though. He's fucking, he's an angel. Yeah, I love, I love that. Um, I love people like that. Personally, dude, Kazo's music has been really insane to me. Like, like he, recently or like before, like recent or like. What? I guess like his last album and his recent stuff, just the whole emo rock oh, yeah. c- crossover. I mean, it might, like I said, like it might feel normal to you, but for it to reach people like me and that's over here, it, it was, he, I think he nailed it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's super cool to me. And like it's cool to see those bands. You're like, ah, oh, I love that band. <laughs> like an underoath. He did a song with underoath. What the fuck, dude? I fucking met Aaron at EDC. Wow. Because <laughs> he was he. Okay, so Aaron actually. So Aaron is a drummer. For mm-hmm. those of you who don't know, um, of underoath, which is a band that I'm like. I fucking love this band and it's been my favorite, my favorite bands forever. Um, And he has done, so he did a collab with Keizo and then he did a collab with Rez and 
this track, I think it maybe was about to come out or had just come out around EDC. Mm-hmm. And I was in the artist lounge and I was with one of my friends and we were just chilling, eating food. This is at EDC. And my friend who also was really into that music was like, okay, so don't freak out. <laughs> but Aaron from Under Earth is like right over there. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, what? So I look and he's Dude. just sitting eating and drinking like uh, I don't think he was drinking alcohol it's drinking like water and I was like what the fuck and I was just so confused I was like why is he here did you fangirl I, I, I feel like you would never fangirl but I feel like this is the one moment where you probably fangirl just a little bit no I I mean I was like inside but I didn't want to ah. like, okay. play cool yeah yeah play, play cool. cool right there <laughs> I was like so I just went out to him and I was like I was like I really love you <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of drunk to be fair I was kind of drunk but I literally told him I loved him and he was like thank you I am and so bad like, like I am so mad you had to play it that cool like I get you have to play it cool but like that is our that is our growing up that is our Vans warp Tour in the summer like that was the band that was the like one of the coolest guys the most he sang and played drums like one of the hardest things to do some of the best songs and it all talks up to you being like I love you <laughs> <laughs> I was also very like drunk and also like wanted to play it cool and didn't know what to say so that was like the first thing that came to mind and like I knew I had to play it cool so it just came out like that like you know what I love you <laughs> I mean hey I don't blame you I, I would have tried my best to do the same thing in the exact situation but just like I would have fangirl like if I I don't know I think like if I met Dead Mouse I tried my hardest not the fanboy that would probably happen. He'd probably be like, "Please fuck off." Yeah, I'd be like, "Thank you." I'd be thank you, Joel. I, like I wanted that. Thank I knew you, you were gonna react I like. I'd like I'd like <laughs> you noticed me, senpai. All right, we're good. <laughs> oh man, that's so, funny. Yeah. So, yeah, I, but I mean, generally speaking, like you know, I'm, I'm like I'm really proud of you. Like I'm really like happy to see how far you've come even though we're all de- we're dealing with this corona bullshit i'm sure after it's all said and done you're still gonna be trucking like it's it's good to see how far you've come just from virginia beach from woodbridge like out of everyone i've seen make the move to la you've gone the furthest thank you it hasn't been easy but it's you know proven that if you want to do what you want to do like you could literally do whatever the fuck you want if you just literally just do it it's like go for it you know i feel like we're coming to a a close here but real quick any advice for aspiring dj producers who are thinking of making that move like you know i feel like if you're that producer that dj you're thinking to yourself do i make the leap to la do i move to new york but especially la like the dance capital like is it still worth their time what should they do what would you tell them from your perspective Well, wait till all the shit is over. So wait till coronavirus is over and like everything opens up before your ass is traveling anywhere or like moving to a new city where there's no gigs. Um, but once this is all over, so 2021, 20, 22, whatever that may be, um, I mean, just don't be afraid because fear will fucking just like ruin it. Like, I mean, everyone has a little bit of fear, but like, don't let that be the roadblock. Don't let that be the bottleneck of like your dreams and 
you know, moving forward. Um, just like do it, man. Like that's literally the only advice that I can really give. Like, just do it, put yourself out there, like follow like your main path, like really like go by your gut and like, don't like let other people also like tell you what not to do. Cause unless it's like, it just really depends. But for the most part, I feel like people like were telling me, no, don't move to LA. No, like you shouldn't do this. No, you shouldn't do that. But like, I really knew like deep down that's really what I needed to do and what I wanted to do. Um, so I just fucking did it. And like, you know, I just like, was like, all right, well, look, I did it. So fuck y'all, you know? Um, and as far as like, getting your teeth into the industry and like growing just like network and shit. Like, and you meet as many people as you, you can, um, take as many notes as you can. I know that sounds like really like dumb, but like really study like other, like as far as producers and DJs, like really study like other people's work and like their workflow and like, uh, just in general, like if you can watch tutorials, that really helps me as well. There's tutorials on how to produce. There's tutorials on how to DJ. Um, Do you think it's worth it for someone to make the move to a place where there's a lot more creatives or should they try and stick it out in their bedroom and just create and try and build the brand that way? I really, see, I find like, it's like a mixed opinion in that because I know a lot of producers that have done both. Like, and like different producers that have done one they've both business they're both both for success um i'm not gonna lie i heard very little of that because the connection just got incredibly shitty right then but i am going to hope it was good on your end and that <laughs> in that the recording is fine like i'm just hoping that the points where you i lost you the recording is fine so i, I I've, yeah. I've probably been uh, acting at points where you think i'm like listening but i've never had such bad connection during <laughs> I've never had such bad connection during a Zoom call. So that's really that. weird because you're you're fine on my end. Really? Yeah, like yeah, like it's completely fine on my end. Like it's not it just seems like it's taking a long time for you to respond. Oh yeah. See that's 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 me dealing with this lag or whatever it is. Yeah, but but it's not like glitch or anything else like black and white. Yeah. Oh, my, oh my god, that's so weird. <laughs> Well, oh, I have no idea what's going on. I have no idea what's going on. But I think we should put a nail in the coffin here and um, sign off on this one. Uh, Sabrina, Mad Girl, it was so cool to like catch up and chat with you like, and see your face. I- I'm just going to sign this one off. I wish I could have an emotional ending <laughs> with you. I really want to, but I-, I can't because I it's all fucked up. So, guys, that's it. That's the angle. We'll have to talk off camera. Peace.